just really glad you cut everything that happened in the last half hour because they <laughs> definitely don't need to know that story. But hi, welcome to another episode of They Did What? They Did What? They Did They what? Did What? I say they did. I say, I, I say they did what? We should really learn how to do it in another language. We really should, but at this point, we don't need to because <laughs> of what we're talking about this week. And that is, when we're talking about the ships with no oomph. The very first time two ironclad ships ever had a duel against each other in world history. Mm. And we don't need another language, although we might. I don't say Jesus enough. Because we're talking about the Confederacy and the Union during the United States Civil War. So you're saying never in history, even when they first invented iron, did they think, let's clad a ship in it? Oh, they tried. Okay. They sank. <laughs> they sank real quick. Like, you can clad specific parts of a ship in iron, mm -hmm. and they'll float to an extent. Mm -hmm. If it's got sails... It's moving at a quarter of a knot per day. <laughs> Not per yeah, hour. Yeah, we go, guys. Per day. Like, the people standing waving for the ship <laughs> to leave, like, they've got carpal tunnel syndrome before you've left the harbor, let alone gone down the coast. Yeah. We'd also like to say a very big welcome to my wife, who is in the audience live with us today, <laughs> in case you hear a third disembodied voice laughing yes. at anything I say. Although, it's me trying to be funny. The likelihood of that happening is very low. She's heard all my jokes a significant number of times at this point. We're not recording video. She just <laughs> nodded vehemently. But she is <laughs> smiling at him. I want to be clear here. <laughs> Yes, this isn't married with children complaining about my wife. <laughs> this is more the Adams family pointing out how amazing my <laughs> wife is while trying to fence someone on the table. <laughs> but this is, this is what I wanted to talk about for this episode. I wanted to talk about the duel, the very first duel between ironclads. Because it's that point in history where technology outstrips the military defense is better than attack mm -hmm. and no one thinks to double down on anything we've got to go to 1862 and yes i realize at this point this is my third story where the <laughs> year has ended in a two. Oh really oh it has yes. scottish heads that bite people to death <laughs> 862? after 862 Australians and Americans going to war with each other in Queensland, 1942. 1942. And for the third of the <laughs> series, I've picked 1862. I promise I'll pick an odd or a different even number for the next one. And the Great Emu War was in 1932. Yeah, I'm, we didn't realise this was <laughs> happening until I said this just now. <laughs> but we are talking about the American Civil War. As Southerners would claim, the war for states' rights. As the rest of the world would call it, telling people in the South they need to pay for labor. Mm. Slavery's not okay. When the British have the high ground on a moral concept of colonization, <laughs> you're in the wrong. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but this is during the war. We're talking about steam-powered ships. Paddle steamers, boiler rooms, people shoveling in coal like Jack and Rose are running past them. 
These are the ships we're talking about. There's no sails, nothing like that. These ships, when they're at sea, look like modern submarines that have gone up to get air and are about to go down again. That's how little impact they make on the horizon. Ooh. They're tiny, they're terrifying, and if you've seen the movie Sahara... I have not. That's okay. Go watch it. Amazing <laughs> movie. Ridiculously strange conspiracy theory about Confederate gold in the Sahara Desert in an ironclad. What? But it'll give you an image of what an ironclad looks like. Yeah. This is, this is the period of history we're talking about, where everything's a conspiracy theory, the Confederates are doing who knows what, the Union is crying over the fact that Sherman can't burn the South fast enough, <laughs> <laughs> and Abraham Lincoln is screaming about four-scoring 20 years ago. It's an interesting time. There are two ships that we're going to talk about in essence. But the entire battle actually takes place between about 20 to 25 ships total. Now, I'm including ships that are smaller than average warships because we're talking about a blockade of a harbor here. Mm -hmm. The two ships we're going to continue speaking about on the Union side is the USS Monitor. It is 100% made to be an ironclad. It's a wooden frame and has metal armor plating attached to the outside of it. Right. Nine inches thick. So, what every 19-year-old claims they are, but aren't. <laughs> it's a significant amount of armor, and it's made really well, specifically for the ship it's on. On the Confederate side is the CSS... Virginia, Confederate. Yeah, I got that, and then I just had a thought about Star Trek, and I was like... Yeah, it doesn't help. Okay, Star Trek. Yeah. USS. It's, mm. it's the CSS Virginia, mm -hmm. except that that's not its original name. It's an actual Union vessel called the Merrimack that is captured by the Confederacy, stripped down to the keel, mm -hmm. and rebuilt... As an ironclad. Okay. The difference being, the Confederacy doesn't have enough money to make their own ironclad straight away. These are both prototype ships. Mm -hmm. They're probably not going to do well. It's in March. The Virginia is attempting to leave harbor in Virginia. So it's already awkwardly difficult to write records of the battle. Mm -hmm. it's, we sailed down <laughs> into the south to fight the Merrimack, also known as the Virginia. It was coming out of Virginia, but it was the Virginia. Yeah. The Merrimack, also known as the Virginia, leaving Virginia Harbor. It becomes very, mm. very frustrating to have to read, write, or do anything about this story until the Virginia leaves Harbor. The steam powered. They've got boilers inside them, so we're running the risk of explosions. Their hold is full of black gunpowder, and they're all running smoothbore cannons. So we're talking bags of gunpowder shoved down a hot metal tube, mm. a canister, shell, or cannonball slammed on top of that 
in a combustion engine ship firing at each other. Well, I know where I don't want to be serving, um, and it's on one of these. <laughs> they are floating tanks with a ludicrous possibility of explosion. Ah, they should have replaced with the emus. They really should have. <laughs> like, at this point, emus on dolphins? Mm. Like, that's the cavalry you want. <laughs> emus are just like, I'm taking all the hits. No, yeah, no matter <laughs> what happens, one of them is going to mess you up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it also doesn't look like it should be a fair fight. The USS Monitor that has been custom-built to be an ironclad has two guns. Two. Two cannon. That's it. It's a warship. It has two cannon. And how long does it take to reload a cannon? A significant amount of time. Yeah, like, like you gotta like... like... up Like, close to a minute if you're well-drilled mm. and you know how to keep the cannon cool and you're not worried about it exploding randomly in the middle of firing yeah. it. It's got two guns. Two 11-inch cannons. Now, 11-inch doesn't mean it's a tiny cannon. Okay. It means that the canister that goes into it, or the shell, or the shot, is 11 inches in diameter. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, so they got two cannons that are <laughs> so like... they got two rifles. <laughs> they're the length of my forearm. That's it. That's it. Just two tiny things. <laughs> it sits Just on the, the desk in a CEO's <laughs> office. No. No, we're talking two cannons... That's it. Yeah. They're mounted in a gun turret, though. So they can swivel, and okay. they can rotate and fire at will. So fire, reload while it swivels. Someone's got to get outside, though, or pull the cannon inside, swab it, let it cool, pack it with powder that might ignite if there's something of an ember still inside, ram shot home, wheel it back out the slot, rotate, fire again. Jesus. This I is mean, what... not Jesus. Um... No. The monitor. <laughs> this is the pride of the Union Navy. This is their warship. Out of Virginia Harbor sails the Virginia. It has 12 guns. That seems better. Yeah. It's, her... it's carrying... Two seven-inch guns, mm -hmm. two six-and-a-half-inch guns, and six nine-inch guns. Now, when I say gun, I mean cannon. Mm -hmm. But we're talking from a naval perspective. We speak in guns. Okay. It's also got two old-school 12-pounder cannons attached to the ship as well. These are meant to be anti-infantry. It's got anti-infantry guns on a ship. Yeah, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> is that like as they're coming through like the heads or something, they're like, yeah, bam, like, bam, bam, yeah. bam, 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 bam. Oh, no, it's, they're still cannons. So it's, bam, <laughs> wait a minute and a half to three minutes. Bam, <laughs> wait a minute and a half to three minutes. Bam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to hit the same level of fire rate. Um, yeah. The Confederacy is way, way more heavily gunned. But their armor does nothing. It's less than half the thickness of the Union vessel. Mm -hmm. And they know this. They know they don't have enough metal to make armor that thick. Mm. So, they have someone figure out, why well, well, I, well, I say, hey now, if you put it on an angle... On an angle? It'll ricochet. And they do. 
They angle the armor plates more heavily than the Union is arm angling them to make the shot ricochet away from the boat rather than absorbing the impact. Well, I say that's a smart way to save metal. Well, I, 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 I say it is too. Mm. <laughs> this is where I find out someone's going to write in and be like, you can't do a southern accent. I was like, I thought I could do that one. <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Dimsdale Dimmodome. <laughs> I just got told it's really hot. It's yeah. always hot. <laughs> oh, the vapors. I just... Now, two versus ten guns, that seems like you're outmatched. Mm. Fifty years earlier, War of 1812, being outgunned, and I'm using heavy air quotations again for this one, ladies and gentlemen. Outmanned. And that's where we stop because of a copyright claim. <laughs> Lynn, let me sing your songs. But seriously, in the War of 1812, being outgunned in a ship mm. means having ten less cannon than the other ship. Okay, so it's officially outgunned. It's officially outgunned if you think of it like an 1812 sailing vessel. Where the boats are the same. Yeah, the boats are made of timber. They're always made of timber. Mm. And you have ships of the line versus ships of the line. These are the kind of ones you see in bad pirate movies where they've got like six banks of guns mm. and they do a rolling broadside. Yeah, That happens in real life. That's just not a normal ship. Those are going out of fashion. They move slowly. They've got too much cannon. There's too much possibility of cannon exploding inside mm. a gun deck. Okay. Trafalgar is the last time you see huge ships of the line versus huge ships of the line. And when is Trafalgar? Trafalgar, we're looking a lot earlier than that. We're looking at the end of Napoleon sort of like trying to take the seas right. against the British Empire. Good old Napoleon. It's, yeah, it's the end of Napoleon's real like like pull. Like it's very much before the Civil War, but the USS Constitution still in service today. Okay. In fact, I actually walked the ship right before it went out on its 200-year anniversary into Boston Harbor while I was at university. Mm. Phenomenal ship. It's got 9,000% more bilge pumps since it was originally <laughs> built, since it's full of holes. <laughs> mm. But it still floats, and you can still fire the cannon on it. Did you get to so fire the it, cannon? Dear gods, no. No, <laughs> I was not that important. I was a student. <laughs> But this, this is the thing. The USS Constitution was known as the original Ironside. Not because it was plated in armor, but because the timber that it was made from was so strong that British cannon shell bounced off it instead of making dents. Wow. So this is the first, in American concepts of maritime history, iron-sided vessel. This is the armament it left dock with 30 24 pound guns Th 20 32 pound guns and two 24 pound guns to fire from the aft deck at anything chasing it okay none of the guns in this battle are of the same caliber as carried by a ship 60 years earlier well, we're off to a great start. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one is more heavily gunned, one is more heavily armoured. The problem is, neither of them have the power in their cannons. Good. And that's going to become apparent 
Because the duel takes place on the second day of this naval battle. Mm-hmm. There's a fleet leaving the harbor in Virginia, and there's a Union fleet coming down to blockade them and keep them in. Day one, the Virginia comes out, sinks two Union vessels, and causes one to run aground. Mm-hmm. The other Union vessels keep the Confederate vessels in while the Union ironclad gets into place. There's a question about these naval battles during the Civil War. Yeah. If the Confederates sink a Union ship, do they let the sailors drown or do they take them as prisoners? Both. Both. It genuine On an ironclad, you're not bringing people aboard because you've got to open a hatch. Okay. Like you would in a submarine. There's no deck high above the water mm-hmm. to get people up to to take them as prisoner. And really, at this point, the Confederacy has no... They start with no money. Mm-hmm. And they're in negative money at this point, no matter how you sort of balance the books. They don't have the money to keep prisoners. They will to an extent... Depending on the <laughs> ethnicity of the sailor that they try and pull out of the water. Oh. It's one of those wars. Well, I mean, that. <laughs> that I don't is know what the thought about, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> so, day two rolls around. The Union vessel is in place. Mm-hmm. The Confederate vessel is in place. The other ships leave them be. And the very first duel of the ironclads ever in world history begins. And it is the most boring, terrifying, intriguing, and mind-numbingly dull two days that follow in naval history. We've mentioned the Battle of Trafalgar before. Mm -hmm. There are over 70 ships in the Battle of Trafalgar. It's two empires along with an empirical ally. It takes five hours for that battle to be done. The Virginia versus the Union vessel, the Monitor, takes 48 hours. Empties both ships of ammunition, shot, canister, everything. And both ships sail away (laughs) with almost no damage. They fire from genuinely point-blank range. Yeah. The ships slam into each other five different times. Because the Confederate vessel has an underwater ram attached to it. Oh, that's just casually. Like a Greek ship. (laughs) BCE. Right. They've got an iron-mounted ram that they're attempting to sink another ship with, only to find out that the underwater armor is the same thickness as the (laughs) armor above water. They fire so much shot from so close range and slam into each other with such great noise... Mm. 70% of all of the men 
Keeping in mind that the complement for both of these ships is in excess of 250 to 300 men per boat. Jesus. 70% of both crews are rendered permanently deaf from the 48 hours of battle. Wow. That is the sound of these cannons going off that you would expect would knock through city walls. Mm but are slamming into four and nine inch thick armor plating and either thunking into it and resounding like a bell or ricocheting off it and leaving that ringing, piercing noise in your head. Oof. I wonder how long it took them all to learn sign language after that too. Well, you gotta let it be invented to a point that you can converse in it. It does. Ex- it did exist, though, didn't it? Because from what I understand, it, ex- it exists to a point that it's functional. Mm. But you're a poor Confederate soldier. You gotta pay for that tutoring. Yeah. You've gotta be. <laughs> this requires American healthcare for veterans. Doesn't that require War. American Post- healthcare in general? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's set in the Civil War. Yeah. It, things have gotten better since then, and mm. we know what the situation... For those of you who pay any attention to America, their veteran care, and anything else, you understand why this is sarcasm-heavy <laughs> at this point. And not exactly being looked after well. Mm. We're still looking at a lot of like church missions looking after veterans at this point and people trying to figure out how to bring veterans back into the world. Mm. You see a lot of them end up going west. It's why you see so many of them in cowboy and spaghetti westerns. Just, oh, that's that guy who lost his leg in the Civil War. Mm. This is so close to the modern era that Civil War generals on both sides served in World War One. Wouldn't that be weird? You're like serving with some yeah, guy you once fought against. It's real weird. It's it's a very messed up period in history that we put way too far back. Mm. Wonder if that tells us something about when um the Greeks served together. Probably. You know I mean? Like we, we could compare <gasps> those two. Diaclosthenes. We were only killing each other five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I burnt your farm. I burnt your farm. <laughs> and now we fight the Persians. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it is one of those things that's very close mm. to the modern era. And just because just I want to point out how ridiculous the end of the battle was, one person is injured. One. One person. I don't know, I feel like I counted wrong with the ear damage no. is injured. But... The, the, this is what both militaries record. One person is injured in a way that requires them to go to hospital. Okay. What happens to him? It's the captain of the Virginia... He goes up to his gun turret to make sure his gunners are okay. Mm -hmm. Just as one of the final shots from the Union vessel hits the lip between the body armor and the turret armor of their ironclad. It buckles it in, slams the cannon off to one side, and causes injuries that forces the captain to call for the Virginia to return to Virginia waters and stay within harbor. Okay. The Virginia claims victory (laughs) in that they staved off the Union invasion. The invasion of one ship. The invasion... It's a small... There's a small fleet with each ship, but it is a duel, and this is what they decide the battle on. Right. The Confederacy says, Ah, we won the battle. 
we sent those carpetbaggers back up to the north. And the Union is like, yeah, we had one job. Keep the Virginia in Virginia Harbor. So, yeah. We won the battle. The thing is, the Union vessel at this point is about 20 minutes away from their boiler exploding because it's been running nonstop mm. for 48 hours. And people are starting to pass out from heat stroke inside a giant metal ship. Yeah. This is the ridiculous part about naval warfare in the late 1800s that doesn't get focused on. We made ships out of wood and plated them in iron. In World War II, they made ships out of concrete because radar wasn't good enough and they could send them off as decoys. They, sorry, they did, they did what? They made ships out of concrete and rebar because it was cheaper than hiring merchant vessels to be bombed by the Axis or the Allies. But don't, doesn't concrete sink? Concrete floats if it's empty and has been given the right buoyancy. Ooh. Ooh. It sinks real well when you drop bombs on it <laughs> from a plane. <laughs> But it is one of these insane things in naval history where it's like, the fight took too long. No one was injured. Nobody won. Much like the Civil War. Nobody won. The South got injured and everyone claimed victory at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, this is... For those of you who've listened since episode one and know I'm a naval historian at heart, this is why I got into naval history. This battle? This battle is one of the main reasons I paid attention to American naval history. Mm. Why I focused on the Atlantic as well as the Mediterranean. And why this was where I stopped caring about naval history. This battle is as far as I care to go. Everything after this, it's little stories, it's anecdotes, I don't care. (laughs) This is when naval history lost its romanticism. Mm. It stopped being interesting. It stopped being captains holding onto their ship, saying such lines as, well, we haven't surrendered, but you've shot down our mizzen. Our mainmast is gone. You've peppered half the crew with grape and shot. Our cannon are out of uh, firing power. And we've lost the flag. So yes, I think we might surrender now. Mm. Or, while standing on a sinking ship, under a rolling broadside, yelling up at the captain of a ship larger than you, outgunning you, that you will eventually take, hold, and steal from him, I have not yet begun to fight. (laughs) These are the romantic parts of naval history I love, and this is the end of romantic naval history. Everything after this is technology against technology. It's not the sailors on board. It's not how well you can read the stars. It's not how well the canvas has been stitched by the wives at home that you sing about in your sea shanty Mm. as you pull down on the ropes. This is the end of romantic seafaring. But it's also the funniest end to romantic seafaring. (laughs) That is fair. And as in the story, we all won. Or we all lost. Yes. One of us is injured for life, and everyone <laughs> thinks they won. <laughs> okay. All right, everyone. I think that's going to end uh, this week's episode of uh, They Did What? They Did What? 
And I think next episode we might be looking at uh, the use of mummy bodies. Oh, Which, uh, I got so much time for the use of mummy bodies. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrifying. It's interesting. There may be some cannibalism. Yeah, there's cannibalism. You can do the locomotion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's going to be some heavy cocaine use as well. In Ooh, the yes, story, not for children. In the story. In the story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so with that, guys, we bid you adieu. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.